flying sign with Joe Clady. This is Stoic Forge. Home was obviously getting farther and farther away from me. Um, I was feeling excited and uh, scared out of my mind, but it was still, everything was still familiar though. Uh, I've driven, I had driven those roads and the highways around Indianapolis my whole life. And I've had traveled with family uh, since childhood and we'd taken many trips, but it was still, uh, when you're, if, when you're by yourself, you lose some of that, um, that, that safety net or that comfort, I guess, of having family there. So, uh, the familiar nature of the road, uh, in Indiana was, was fleeting, uh, and that scared me, uh, landmarks that were memories were, were quickly passed. And, uh, then the new stuff came and it was terrifying. Uh, but that's what I'd signed up for. So I made my way out of Indiana really as fast as I could. Uh, not, not on purpose. Uh, it, it was, I was just, I was just moving, uh, fast and I caught myself an hour deep into Illinois thinking I got to stop sometime and check something out. I can't just drive this whole thing. Uh, because I mean, I could drive, I could leave Indianapolis today and be in, be, have my feet in the Pacific ocean in like two days. Uh, I mean, driving straight through it and, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to take my time and, and, you know, work and, and, and find some way to get out there and, and do this thing, uh, uh, with, with the end game in mind. Uh, so I stopped to fill up for the first time after running that van ragged. Uh, everything seemed fine with it. There wasn't an issue Yet, at least with the van, um, until this moment at the gas station, I am filling up and just doing a quick spot check as I'm filling the uh, dual tank, which I'd never seen before. Uh, so really, I was just filling the one because I was afraid if I switched over to the other tank, it wouldn't wouldn't switch right. I, like like I said, I don't know automobiles at all especially ones that are as old as I am so I'm doing my walk around the van and find that the window one of the windows to the the uh, side doors that opened up had fallen out and I am 200 miles away from my house and I'm already missing a window to the thing that I had planned and hoped to sleep in for the next um, unforeseen amount of time. So that that was a that was a kick in the crotch, and um, it it wasn't quite a laughable moment. It is now, 
<laughs> it is now, but it wasn't then. It was that that's when the doubt started to sink in. And I mean, obviously to to do something like this, of course, doubt's going to sink in for for every aspect of it, you know, wh- whether it's the this romantic idea of 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 this vagabond life working on the road and and hoping to to busk play on the street and, and make some money uh which in in my delusion state seemed like well of course that was gonna work of course i was gonna i'll just i'll just make money along the way and i'll be fine and uh this was the first moment of of what this actually was like the reality came came crashing in like oh yeah oh oh this thing is 20 years old Oh yeah, wait, I'm 20 years old. Oh wait, I don't have any any money. Oh, oh wait, there there could be someone that really did try and hurt me. Uh so that started to make its way in uh but I had to push it down because if you allow doubt in then it's gonna it's gonna nest, and it's gonna shit, and it's gonna have babies, and it's going to take over a spot, and it's gonna form a colony, and uh, I couldn't allow that. So leave this gas station, and it, I I adopted the uh method of drafting even though i've heard it's a load of shit which is where you uh essentially put yourself in serious danger by tailgating semis in hopes that there's some sort of vacuum created that like you're not fighting the wind uh uh as you're as you're pushing so thus leading to um less fuel being burned because, like I said, this thing maybe got 15 miles to the gallon. Um, I don't know for sure, but I mean, I feel like that would be a pretty fair guess uh, for as old and as big as it was. So I tried that, and even more so now, it got stuck in my head like, oh, well, now I'm missing a window, so that's gonna, I'm not sealed up, so that's, you know, catching a lot of the the wind. Um, So my thought was to seal it somehow and I had some duct tape and I had some cardboard and I had to do something and so I um, rigged up um, a window out of cardboard and duct tape that once I got on the road I I don't think it could have lasted two or three miles uh, without getting chipped away by by the wind and eventually catching it and becoming trash along the side of the highway and uh so that wasn't going to work so it it stayed open um until later uh, so i finally decided to stop in urbana illinois and it kind of had a i'd never been there before uh but it kind of had a, a bloomington-esque vibe uh a lot of like the very biker friendly and very 
kind of that that crunchy local uh you know you know the vibe uh which I was all for because that seemed like an area that would uh potentially accept someone of my current position someone who could could live off some whether it whether it's busking or whether it's um having you know finding a safe place to sleep because it it seemed like that kind of community um so I had my bike which took up the majority of the van it's just a, a really old shitty bike that um I had had since I was like 12 but I was still able to ride it barely it was just a little a little too small but that's what I was going to use to um uh, to explore once I got into a town my logic was I would park somewhere public and then ride around to see any prospects, uh, any leads on on work or adventure or, 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 you know, something to help me achieve goals. Uh, and so that's what I did. And I don't know, it kind of came up flat. And again, that it... it hurt or I guess fueled that doubt a little bit because uh, there was like no, nothing was open uh, I barely saw anybody and it was just it was just kind of a, a dead end and I I had hoped that there'd be something more to sustain me or at least give some sort of hope like oh you made the right decision because look here is somebody that will help you or here is um um, yeah, a dishwashing job you can do, but it led to nothing. So I rode the bike back and, and again, this bike, it, it was able to fit into the van, but only because of its size. Um, I knew I was going to need to, to carry stuff around or, or, you know, potentially carry things around like groceries or whatever back to the van. And instead of getting the, the milk crate, I, I cut up a, uh, a gallon jug, like a milk jug, and to seal it up, I like used shoelaces to, and you know, did like six holes up the side and laced it up like that and duct taped it right above the, the rear tire. And it just dragged against the rear tire, and I'd always try and rearrange it. I don't know why I didn't just get something else, but there was. There was you know some something more stable or that was actually meant for a bicycle for for carrying whatever and uh, it did not work well but it's what I had and so uh, carrying my wallet and uh, phone and some change and uh, I made my way back to the van empty-handed uh, and the only thing I had to show for it was more doubt and it hurt so I what else can you do besides just keep going at the start of really any journey um that's what's so I guess that's the only comfort you can can put some sort of faith in is that there's more ahead it's unknown but there is more because you're at the start Especially if it's an entire country to cross, there there is more. Uh, but 
again, that, that doubt started, started to take over and it's, well, it's going to end the country. I mean, you, you can only go so far with nothing. Um, and I started to realize that, but the night was coming quickly and I wasn't quite ready to just park it somewhere and sleep. Uh, the idea of that was frightening and even more so now that things were quickly becoming harder than I thought, um, on day one. And I, I made my way to Pittsville, Pitts, what is it? Yeah. Pittsfield, Illinois. And by the grace of the Atlas that I had, because again, this was before, I mean, it wasn't before smartphones, but it was 2011, so smartphones weren't big. I mean, I, you know, I, they were big, but I didn't have one. I had just a slide phone that, again, I didn't want to bring, but it was, it was part of the deal with my parents to have a phone. Uh, and they were paying the bill. So if anything, it was, at least I could send them a text to say, I'm here. And it could alleviate some of the uh, probably paralyzing pain that they must have been in the entire time, which is fair. Uh, so I, I had that, and but I had this atlas, uh, just just the entire continental United States uh, atlas, which. I never really had to use one before, either be, either because I was with my dad who would handle that, or I was with friends and we'd just be around the state, or we would, if we were going on spring break or whatever, I mean, it's straight shots, you don't need to really veer off the interstate, but this was a necessity uh, to learn how, how to navigate. Uh, just by this map and a lot of stopping, pulling off the side of the road, laying this big ass book across the hood and trying to map out where I was going because fuel was so precious and a wrong turn could mean, you know, 30 minutes worth of, of burning fuel and with very little cash that 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 just couldn't happen uh so off of the interstate i had found signs for a campground that led me farther than i wanted to off off the the interstate uh but it, it took me to the campground eventually uh past lakes and and down really really tight gravel roads uh but i eventually get there five dollars for uh primitive camping so that's was good enough for me uh and for those of you who uh, are familiar with campground culture um i felt right at home growing up i my my grandfather was um major general for the indiana indiana national guard so we spent a lot of time at atterbury camp atterbury here in indiana and We'd camp there a lot, or go to Lake Monroe and by in Bloomington, and just just camp and uh, 
you you see uh, the RV uh, decorations, and and th- there does become this tacky pageantry that uh, is is so ugly, but it's so like it's so uh, necessary to them, and it's it's a it's a weird way of of uh, of nesting. Uh, really, it was mostly either old people, like old couples that just, this was their life now, or families with four or five kids that got in everyone's business and, uh, rode their bikes around and, uh, but I, I, I felt right at home. I didn't probably put them at ease, uh, seeing this big rusted out white van pull up in their space. I mean, I'm sure everyone knew each other. It had that vibe. I'm sure each place took a turn doing hot dogs and hamburgers each night. Uh, and, and I was the guy, the young weirdo pulling up in a van and just parking it and sitting inside it all night, just sitting at this weird little desk writing in this weird little journal. And, uh, but that's what I did. And I ran an extension cord. Uh, I had a, a small little box fan, and I charged all my crap. Uh, my face, well, I guess I didn't really have that much, but my phone, iPod, uh, buzzer, and to power the fan. And that was it. And I just ran that, um, took a shower, had some nasty Pop-Tarts, and... I called it a night, and I remember just just playing through um, some of my music, just listening to bands that were important at the time and still are. Bands like Bon Iver and the Gorillas and uh, Aerosmith. Uh, just sat there and listened to music all night, and uh, right before bed, I decided, you know what, I'm going to read. Like I said on the last episode, I was never much of a reader. But my brother Chad had set me up with uh, some of some books that he deemed fit the journey, such as Dharma Bums on the Road, uh, was it Travels with Charlie? Uh, and so I, I cracked open Dharma Bums and started to read through that, and it felt nice to work my brain and and be able to focus on someone else and hear a story from someone else's point of view because I had been gotten so tired of hearing my own story in my head and constantly playing through it to where now it was manifesting into, uh, at this point, doubt already. And I, I couldn't hear it anymore. So reading was... An escape, and I guess that's what it is to most people. Uh, um, I guess I have just like any form of entertainment, but that's what I did till I fell asleep and woke up the next morning, ready to go, feeling a little better, um, still doubting everything, uh, but got a shower and took off and made my way into Missouri pretty quickly and like I said it was just six hours um, 
uh, that I had been on the road technically and, uh, uh, but I, I, I knew Missouri was just right there, right over the Mississippi river and it was coming quick. So I remember growing up, like I said last time, my family and I took a, did, did the route 66 trip. And one of our first stops was in a little town called Hannibal, Missouri, which sits right on the Missouri side of the Mississippi River. And Hannibal was the birthplace of Mark Twain. So you can imagine the uh, one being kind of the, the kickoff to many other Route 66 trips and being a... Uh, national landmark for such an iconic historical figure it was pretty uh pretty tom sawyer-esque everywhere there was a lot of that uh but it's cute and it was beautiful and i and i had remembered a lot of it uh, from when we had gone when i was younger uh but this time it had that different feel and i say that because it i i saw the potential opportunity for uh, for work. Unlike Urbana in Illinois, I, I saw kind of, the, like I said, a very touristy vibe. So, uh, and it was still summertime. So I thought maybe I could be the help. Some quick landscaping or, or even just playing on the street or um, dishes. So something Something I could do to make some money. So I get into town and immediately hop off and and ride my bike. And this is where it started to hurt again because I go from shop to shop hoping that they would just let me help. And I I explain what I'm doing to an extent uh, as to not seem like a bum, but but at the same time uh, express my concern uh, or, or express my desire to just work for maybe a day or two, uh, because that's that's all I really wanted. I didn't want to stay in a spot too long, uh, and instead of just agreeing to that, they would push an application in my face, and I knew that would be that just that wasn't going to work. I didn't have time to set up uh, social security plans and and shit like that. I just needed some under the table money. And I'd worked. I've worked jobs in the past where that's been how it was. I I uh, washed dishes at a Chinese restaurant all through high school, uh, just making money under the table. And I was good at that. I knew that I could be that guy, whether I was the only English-speaking person in the kitchen getting shouted at in Mandarin, or uh, maybe even. Uh, serving I mean I could do something for them but it wasn't what they wanted uh, and this went on for an entire afternoon going from spot to spot and briefly seeing glimpses of this place that I remembered um, growing up when we came the last time so I I decided to just take a break recollect uh, just just collect myself and 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 try and find uh, 
some peace, at least with, with the moment, and know that at least I had the van with some food, and I could I'd make something work. So there was there's this uh, staircase that leads to this lighthouse that overlooks the river, and it has this these giant statues of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. So I decide to make my way up and have this breathtaking view of the mighty Mississippi River. Make my way up there after sweating and uh, feeling very out of breath. Finally make it up there, and of course the view is blocked by the trees. So, uh, again, feeling just every everything's starting to piss me off. Like, why can't this just work my way? Uh, when you have an entire year of, of delusion and uh, almost like a... Uh, just just a, 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 a God complex of just feeling like everything is going to work out your way and you're going to achieve this destiny. Once it's not going your way, anger is it, it just fills the void and frustration and, and almost tantrum-y kind of fits of, of pouting and uh, complaining. When, when I, because I can't get the view I want after being uh, annoyed after an entire day of not getting what I want. So I go back to the van and I'm getting ready to leave Hannibal. But I knew I needed to stay. I was like, no, I just, I can't bail on another town, especially one that I know can be something. So. But, I, but I'm getting ready to leave. And I see this sign for uh, Lover's Leap, which is just a, a historical landmark that's kind of on the way out of town. So I I, I didn't want to because I knew it was just going to be more fuel. And it was the pessimism was pouring out of my ears. But I just do it. And I have to hold the gas down just to get up this hill uh, to this ridge that gave that view to me of that Mississippi River to where I was almost looking down on that lighthouse. Now, Lover's Leap was a... uh, It tells the story of two warring uh, Native American tribes and you have the... uh, one chief's son and the other chief's daughter uh, fall in love. And uh, their tribes continue to to battle over this, and, and it creates strife. It's very Shakespearean, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, but then this is where it, it pushes them to this point where they jump off of this ridge together, known as uh, Lover's Leap. And uh, again... Like most of the spots in this town, it's it's a big tourist attraction. So I decided to just sit there. And I sit there uh, for hours just looking out at the river, trying to um, visualize what I need to do. And I see dozens of tourists come and go. They step up to the plaque, read the thing, snap their picture, and then go. Which is fine. They got shit to do. I clearly didn't. So boredom 
creeps in and I go get my guitar and uh, like the douchebag that I am, I get it out and decide to just play in a public space. And not not annoyingly, but just, just enough to give me something to do and, and uh, comfort me in a way. And I see this man pull up in a real shitty Jeep. He gets out, and he's got real long hair, wearing a ball cap, and a Hawaiian shirt that's open, revealing his just bulbous gut. Uh, and as he gets closer, I see his hands and forearms are just riddled with scars. But he's smiling, and he's staring at me. And this was my first moment of kind of fear of, of another person that's entering my space. And he sits down and introduces himself as Steve. He's from Illinois, works on the railroad. We get to talking about a guitar and I tell him kind of a little bit what I'm doing, where I'm from and, uh, kind of the day I had, I just laid it on him and he doesn't ask about that. He just says, can I play your guitar? So I, I insist upon it, uh, out of politeness and curiosity of what this guy can play. And he was good, played real heavy bluegrass, um, and just kind of just bluesy rock and was way better than me. Uh, but he insisted that I play something for him and played some of my crappy originals and some covers that I knew. And, uh, we just, just go, just trade back and forth. And so again, I reiterate my day to him. Uh, and he's just, just smiles and like, well, what's stopping you from going into one of these bars? He's like, you could play, you can play at one of these. Why not just go down and ask, what are they going to say? No. And I, he was right. What are they going to say? No. Then what do I do? I leave or I go to the next bar. No one knows me. It's a liberating feeling to know that I'm not going to run into someone that I know. I'm not going to ever see any of these people again. So why? They're just stepping stones to my goal of, of moving on. And, um, but I needed them to help me get there. So any negative consequence that I got or any negative response that I got from someone, I, it couldn't hurt whether it's from a person or from the environment. And I reflected on the doubt that had grown the entire day and how it is just a minor setback. It's not going to hurt me. It's just something to roll with and adapt with. So I shake his hand, and he says, good luck. And I drive down to the main strip. Strip, yeah. like The, the, the restaurant and bar area right against the river. I go to a bar called Rumor Has It. And I go inside... And I asked to speak to the manager. This woman walks up. Her name was Sonia. And I, again, just 
briefly explain where I'm from, what I'm doing, what I need, and the service I could provide. She said she'd have to let me know. So she goes back and talks to someone, comes back out. She says, you're on tonight. And I was terrified. This was my first gig. Uh, but to, I mean, she's like, I can't pay you, but you know, put out put out your hat or put out your case and see what you get. So I set up in the corner, uh, st- still during the daylight. It was a weeknight, so it wasn't super packed, and I didn't have uh, some crazy anxiety uh, about about the crowd. Uh, but it was still terrifying. But I needed to do it, and I just kept remembering what Steve said: like, what are, what are they going to do? And I had my guitar case out, and she offered me dinner even before I played, which was huge to not have Pop-Tarts again. Wow, she gave me um, grilled corn, uh, chicken breast, and some sort of green. Some (laughs) nourishment that had uh, left my body for the past couple days. So I'm setting up to play. And I just open with one of my own songs and I didn't have a mic so I really had to project which I struggle with anyways uh, but it lands and people are paying attention and not looking away and I keep it up and I keep cranking through the things I know I had made a shitty little set list after uh she said I could perform. I'm, I just sat at the bar real quick and cranked something out just just to give me some sort of reference. And uh, it, it, what was on there? Like Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. Uh, Come Together by the Beatles. Uh, what else? A, a, a silly cover of Hey Ya by Outkast. Just, you know, just fluff. But crowd pleasers, nonetheless, and uh, would still sneak some of my own stuff in there. And I'm not going to say there was a crowd forming, but people people were paying attention, and I would talk to some of the the obvious regulars. There was this guy named Rich, who sat at the bar, knew the bar, knew every bartender. Uh, they had they were like, oh, Rich, you're losing a lot of weight, and he said, yeah, I'm just not eating. Uh, till you know, past, past being full, and he's. I've just been walking a lot, so I get to know Rich. Uh, get to know a bartender. Her name was Tennille, which she asked me. She's like, yeah, like the band, like Captain Tennille. And I was like, oh yeah. She's like, you don't know, do you? I was like, no, sorry. I, you know, and just have that twenty-year-old panic. And she was hot, and I just am trying to be cool and. Um, pretend like I know what she's talking about and she immediately calls me on it which I ended up doing the majority of this time anytime people would make a reference or ask for a song uh, to just a request it would it, it would fall flat man or I, w- I would not know it but I'd be like yeah I, I that's a good one I just don't know it sorry and uh which is just so annoying. Just say you don't know what they're talking about. Um, but it was nice. People 
I, I was seeing ones and fives and a, a decent amount of green in my guitar case. And it was exciting to see something. Um, to see, to see something that wasn't uh, a, a, a fallen window or blank job applications uh, or a blocked view. You know, it was, it was something, it was a resource that came from pretty much nothing uh, besides persistence. So I continued to play, and this giant man and his giant sons walk in, and I immediately start to sweat because they look like, and, and I judged immediately, but they look like just big country asshole guys that are going to give me a hard time because, you know, of just me looking the way I do and, uh, playing guitar, you know, just, just expecting hecklers, but they get into it and they appreciate what I'm doing. And, um, after I finally decide to call it, I, they invite me over for a beer at the bar and I'm sitting with them. And at this point, Tennille doesn't card me, thankfully, cause I'm only 20, uh, which I'm sure she knew I wasn't 21, but she gets me a beer and I'm sitting talking with these guys and they were former Marines and, and now they, uh, they, they were farm men. Uh, and, and the man, the, the, the leader, the dad, uh, tells me that he used to play guitar and that he used to be really good and would play bluegrassy type stuff and, and played the banjo and the guitar and would play the bass in in bands his entire life but then he then showed me his hands which immediately explained why he couldn't anymore they were rock hard stones of of just a, a statue of a man that I don't even know how he could pick up a pen to write you know let alone have the dexterity to to play the guitar but he he asked me if if I knew how to play House of the Rising Sun. And I said no, thankfully, because I, I didn't. I wasn't going to fake my way through it. He was shocked. He's like, oh, it's so easy. Uh, he's like, but there's something special that, that you can do with that. It's a real crowd pleaser. It's real fun to do. With the verse of the House of the Rising Sun, swap out that verse with the first verse of Amazing Grace, you know, halfway through the song, it gets the crowd going, and he sees sees my eyes kind of go up like I'm thinking about it, and I hear it, and it does line up really nicely, in my head at least, and he's like, let's play it, let's play it, and he's like, let me sing it, and so he walks me through the chords, so it's A minor, C, D, F, A minor, C, E, E7, A minor, C, D, F, A minor, E, E7, and repeat. So, 
which is easy enough. Those are all simple chords for anyone that plays. And, uh, and so I start to throw some rhythm on it. Um, and he sings it. And this bar was so captivated by this performance. He sang it and, and transformed this place into a cathedral. And I had to focus, so my, my fingers just were drenched in sweat, and uh, I kept fudging up the chords, and I, I, I could feel it uh, fucking up, but he just sang through it. It sounded so beautiful, especially once he got to the Amazing Grace verse. And I, I thanked him and I shook his hand. I said, "Thank you for that. I'll, I'll definitely be using that in, in, in the days to come." And uh, I was right about that. So after a night of drinking and, and and playing and meeting some new friends, I went back to the van where I had parked it in just this municipal parking lot just around the corner. And I laid there on that futon with $31 and just felt so pumped and relieved and excited to know that I can actually do this thing. And deep down, I guess that scared me more than anything. I'll see you next week.